0: Good evening.
1: Welcome to Hawthorne. It'll be our pleasure to
0: feed you. Tonight will be magical. Over the next few hours, you will ingest fat, salt, protein, and at times entire ecosystems. We're eating the ocean. We're eating the ocean. Are you crying? (laughs) It's just I find it all very moving.
2: So it's okay, but I'm... Not as into this as
0: you are. Oh my God! You shouldn't be here tonight. You, my dear guests, are not the common man. Isn't that right?
2: Are you gonna keep doing that?
1: What happens inside this room is meaningless compared to what happens outside. We're but a frightened nanosecond. Nature is timeless.
0: What the hell is going on? I love you all. We love
1: you too, chef. Any questions? Is this bergamot I'm getting, chef? Yes, it is.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fresh Cuts. This is Mike, and on today's hosting menu, we have Mr. Venom. How's it going? Greetings and salutations, foodies and douchebags.
1: Yes, I'm doing pretty well, Mike, and and I'm actually kind of hungry, too, so stop talking about what's on the menu.
0: <laughs> All right, then uh, we will get to straight to the di- digestive in Don and Nelly. How's it going, Don?
2: Yeah, what's going on? Always great to be here.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, this week we are covering a theatrical release, just uh, released a couple days ago, actually. And that would be The Menu. And on IMDb, it's billed as a comedy thriller horror. So take that as as you will. I, I mean, I think the movie ends up with elements of each, but we'll get into that. Uh, a young couple travels to a remote island to eat an at uh, an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I guess I will find out about those shocking surprises soon. So for general thoughts, we'll kick it to Venom. What did you think of the menu?
1: This was a fairly solid movie. This isn't going to change the world. It's not ultra groundbreaking by any stretch, but it's it's a fairly entertaining film. It's funny at times. Sometimes the jokes don't land, but more often than not, they do. They've got these great scenes in here where they're describing each course um, of the seven-course meal, and they just get funnier and funnier as the descriptions go along. Um, I think the performances are great. I think Ray Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy are spectacular. I love seeing Anya Taylor-Joy in a role that doesn't quite fit her. You know, I kind of look at her as, you know, kind of like a high-end, oh, how can I put this, um, Not quite something like a Meryl Streep, but maybe something, uh, you know, more like a Jennifer Lawrence, like the type of actress that I wouldn't picture doing a horror film or acting this particular way. I I love Anya's performance here. I love how raw and realistic it is. And then Ray Fiennes just, you know, as the wacky artisan chef of, uh, you know, who's uh, the mastermind of this whole thing. I mean, folks, if you've seen the trailer, you've basically seen the movie. Uh, I watched the trailer after I saw the movie. And, yeah, other than the ending, there's not really much that they keep uh, you know, from the audience in the trailer. But it still worked for me in the sense that, you know, even though you kind of know where the story's going, you don't know what paths it's going to take to get to where it's going. Um, I also really enjoyed how. A lot of times with thrillers, uh, the setup of the thriller isn't necessarily where the majority of the film is going to take place. But here, you know, 95% of this film solidly takes place in the one dining room. And I, I really appreciate that because then it makes the restaurant itself almost a character. And even in the final scene, you could kind of make the argument that the restaurant itself is kind of a character here. So I really appreciated that. Um, obviously, the social comment—the social commentary—is there. It's very in your face. It's not hard to pick out. There are multiple levels of social commentary, you know, between classism and a couple of other elements that we'll talk about later. Um, it's yeah, especially once you get the reveal of what's happening and why it's happening, then you know, it, it definitely uh, makes for an interesting story. Now, I will say, I don't necessarily agree with all of Ray Fines reasons for the for what he's doing in this movie like some of the people that he's got in here he's got in here for very petty reasons some of them they're very good reasons but i'll just say the john licuizamo character what a petty ass reason to have him there and obviously we'll get into that in the spoiler section but ultimately it was a fun movie i chuckled throughout um i thought i thought the laughs got better as the movie went along um, I struggle to call this a horror comedy. To me, to me, this is a comedy thriller. It's solidly a thriller. There's not really a whole lot of horror elements here. You don't get a lot of on-screen death. I think I think you get a total of two throughout the whole movie. And you know, and and they're the, they're the type of they're the types of deaths that you would see in an action movie, not necessarily a horror film. So, yeah, um, it's still a good comedy thriller um with some really good performances and once again Colin Stetson knocks it out of the park with the score i absolutely love this score gives it you know a refined element obviously since this is a high uh, high-end dining experience that we're that we're watching you know the score really lends itself to that and for those who don't know colin stetson did my favorite soundtrack of the decade uh with hereditary absolutely love the hereditary score but you know that's a story for another podcast so overall i thought this movie was really good it was solid it's not going to change the world i can't imagine it's going to be i mean if, if it's not in my top 10 for the year now it's obviously not going to end up there at the end of the year but some great performances and if you like the particular actors in this film, I think you should absolutely check this out. I mean, we even get an appearance from Judith Light, uh, you know, from Who's the Boss, who I haven't seen in decades, and then she pops up in this film. Not to say that she hasn't worked. Maybe she's worked, but I personally haven't seen her in a long time. So I, I thought that just to see someone recognizable in here um, it just kind of helped out, you know, Uh, with the experience a little bit so yeah overall a solid film i did enjoy it do i need to watch it again Eh, i i doubt it but definitely worth the experience definitely not a wasted hour and 45 minutes or however long it was and that's the other thing too for an hour and 46 minutes it does zip by i mean literally the opening scene is the patrons going to the restaurant so you don't have to wait long for everything to kind of kick into gear so i appreciate that as well so yeah A solid film, uh, really good, definitely worth seeing in a theater if you can get a chance to check it out if you're into these types of thrillers. Um, But yeah, definitely nothing that's going to change the world, you know, nothing that I would call a 10 out of 10 by any stretch, but just a fun and um, fairly thought-provoking movie throughout. So yeah, I enjoyed it.
0: Okay, I'll kick it over to Dawn. What did you think of the menu?
2: Yeah, uh this was not for me. Um not necessarily because I thought it was bad, but yeah, this is just not my kind of movie. Um the highbrow non horror stuff that's categorized as horror. Not my thing. Um I, I, I will say I, I was invested in this more than I thought I would be. Um I, I do agree with the pacing. I, I barely even looked at my watch and i never really thought it was actually uh very long I, I thought it was shorter than it actually was um i i do find a lot of the situations funny in concept but not funny in execution um i was kind of struggling to find last in this uh based on it actually being more of a comedy than anything else but yeah it 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 felt like a series of SNL sketches just stretched out to feature length and not necessarily like highbrow SNL sketches, but like mid-tier ones that were basically just an idea, but not really like fully fleshed out um, like a skit or something. Is this a horror film? No. And that's kind of where a lot of my issues with this kind of fell in, though, even though I'm, I'm invested in this. I I can't really say that I was really, like, entertained throughout. Um, I I can, you know, I was invested in what's going on. I like the characters. I like where, you know, the general setup of what this restaurant's all about. And I I, I know that this is all about mocking, you know, foodie culture and, you know, highbrow intellectualism and all that, but, but... Not for me. Uh, I'm not interested in that. I have very little effort to remain interested in that kind of a group setting. So it's basically just like a whirlwind of stuff that just doesn't appeal to me. Um, I, I recognize that it's a good film. I know it's, you know, well made and all that. I can see all the, you know, care put into it on screen. But yeah, it's just It's a setup that doesn't really invest me with people that I don't really follow, and it's not a genre I particularly follow, so not something that I'm really high on, but it's just based on personal preference. Uh, If this wasn't for Fresh Cuts, I I doubt I'd watch this, so... Um... Yeah, I don't have much else because uh, I, I kind of stopped really... I, I stayed invested and stayed watching it, but I kind of like stopped taking notes seriously around like the half-hour mark when I kind of realized what kind of a movie this was going to be. So, yeah, that's kind of all I've got on this one.
0: Okay. Uh, for me, yeah, I would say it's a good movie, not great movie. I think it's one of those movies where it kind of hits like maybe that like 6.57 and never gets above it, but it never gets below it. it it's like a fun, medium, mm-hmm. steady, entertaining movie. Just doesn't really do much to blow me away. Um, I I did like the setup. I did like the scenario. I did like a couple of the gags in it, which I would say, yeah, it's not a full-on horror, but there are, I think, a, you know, small instances in this that would kind of make me lean towards including horror in the description um it's definitely like a satire but i i believe in its attempt to be a satire it is kind of uneven as far as like what they're satirizing i think in in isolated instances it's really biting satire which is well done but in other parts like venom is kind of pointed out it almost kind of cheapens the situation because um, you know, without getting into spoilers, I feel like there is a definite motivation by the antagonist in it. But because, because of what he's doing here is such a catch all with the people involved. It's like, how are we supposed to take this as well? How are we supposed to take your, I guess, mission statement as serious as we're supposed to when you've included people that, I don't see why they're here, you know, for your for your experiment or for the for what you're trying to do. Um, You know, in contrast, I do think there's a couple situations where it it gets laid out really well. And I I appreciate that. I do kind of like the I I do like the big finale gag. I thought I thought that was kind of hilarious how it, it got executed. I do question some character uh, motivations or I guess maybe inaction in this because I think if in in a scenario where it's kind of a numbers game, there's enough to where you would maybe put up more of a stand, especially once you can see where things are going. Um, What else? I I do have a question about the end end with our surviving character, which I won't give away or potential surviving character which we can discuss obviously once spoilers hit because i don't want to give away anyone who survives um i i don't really under i i don't see why uh i know it's a weird criticism i guess but anna taylor and joy i mean i guess because she's the it girl that's why they wanted her in this because they figure with this crowd maybe they're gonna go see anything she's in but i i maybe it's because i'm used to like movies with her or even TV shows like Netflix streaming and stuff. Now, usually when she's casting something, she's really like a highlight or a big part. I felt like this could have gone to like almost, or her role could have gone to almost anyone in this, but maybe it's just her star power or emerging star power. Um, I thought Ralph Fiennes or, yeah, I think that's how you say it. Ray. <laughs> Ray Fiennes. Or sorry. Uh, Ray <laughs> Fiennes. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I thought he was good you know um any dialogue or writing uh weaknesses aside i mm. thought his performance was good uh i thought there you know there was a couple shocking moments in this that took it took a turn and i was like okay that that was pretty well executed no pun intended there but um yeah overall i would say it, it's it's good it's i i wouldn't i think it falls short of being great but it is entertaining and i think because of the lack of like over the top horror elements other than like a couple things that happen, this could be like a movie while not necessarily for the horror diehards, it could also be something like a horror fan takes a non horror fan to, like kind of like a wider audience might appreciate this movie. Um just because you don't have to be like a horror fanatic to like it. Um what else? You know that that might be it for general thoughts. It's it's kind of hard to say too much about what goes on um, without spoiling. So yeah, overall, I say it was a, it was an entertaining time, and I do agree it went by pretty fast. Like oh, when I saw the running time, I expected it to feel longer than it was, but uh, it actually went by pretty quick. It moved it moved at a decent pace. So mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that, and you know. Uh, that's my general thoughts.
1: I agree with you mostly, but I am going to disagree with you on one point, And that's Anya Taylor joy. I, I think she does a great job here. And I think part of why she does a great job is that this isn't the kind of role that she would usually get. Um, a, as I was trying to explain earlier, she's, you know, she, you mentioned her being the it girl, but you know, the hot actress in Hollywood right now. And she's usually doing way more prestige stuff. Like, you know, the queen's gambit, the witch, uh, things like that. Um, even Last House... Uh, excuse me, um, Last Night in Soho. Stuff like that. A little bit more high-end. This movie is high-end, but her character is the antithesis of everything in this movie. And I love that. I love that she's the only, like, normal person in this movie. Quote-unquote normal, obviously. That's a, that's a subjective term. But, I, I yeah, I, I just hearing something about hearing anya taylor joy drop multiple f-bombs just brings me a lot of joy i don't know why no pun intended but it really does i I just absolutely love it so for whatever it's worth you know i i I don't 100 percent disagree with you that another actress could couldn't have shined in this role as well definitely but the fact that they had you know yeah, Basically, they have Glenn Close in a role meant for Jennifer Tilly, and I fucking love that. I think that dichotomy is awesome, so it just added a little bit of element to this. And yes, I am an Anya Taylor-Joy stan. Um, she is in my favorite movie of the decade, which is The Witch, of last decade, of course, The Witch. I unabashedly adore that film, so I will follow Anya Taylor-Joy into hell you know, if it means I get to continue watching or make films, but yeah, n- not a best role by any stretch. I'm not saying that she deserves an Oscar. I mean, if anybody in this movie deserves, you know, award attention, it would be Ray Fines, definitely. But the thing is, Ray Fines is great in everything he does. You know, you almost expect great performances from him and he delivers here once again in his very kind of mundane deadpan performance of this, you know, pretentious chef. I, I just, you know, it's, it's a perfect role for him. So, um, yeah, like I said, that's about the only thing I, I would disagree with, with what anybody said, you know, I can't disagree with Don. There's very little horror to this movie. I mean, like, like I said, I, I said there were two deaths. I, I think I just thought of a third one. So I think there were three total deaths in the movie. None of, I mean, maybe one you could say is a little haunting and the other two were just kind of, eh, Okay. Um, but it is definitely not the gore that's selling you on this movie. It is the story. It is the performances of these actors as these particular shitty characters. And you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I am a very petty, vindictive type of person. So maybe that's why I kind of appreciated this movie, because this movie is definitely made for petty, vindictive people, and I love that. So, yeah, I'll definitely be a little bit higher on this film than anyone else. And, again, not to say that it's like must-see TV by any stretch of the imagination, but I still really, really enjoyed it. I had a really good time with it. I literally left the theater about two hours ago, and I'm still kind of thinking about some of the great stuff, uh, the quirky stuff that we saw in the third act that I, you know, that really struck a, a nerve with me. So yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I, I enjoyed it. I, I definitely, it sounds like most people, you know, it sounds like Mike still enjoyed it. Don, obviously it's not his type of movie, nothing wrong with that. Um, but I think most genre fans should like this. I think this is definitely geared towards more people who like thrillers as opposed to, you know, balls of the walls horror. I, this movie is definitely not that. I can't one hundred percent disagree with Mike that it doesn't have any horror elements. There are one or two things that you know some, that you might see in a horror film, but yeah, for the most part, this is about ninety percent thriller, six percent comedy, with maybe three or four percent horror. Um, well, I like that ratio; not bad. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I I think with this setup, there was definitely the potential there to be a lot more over the top. Like it it yeah. could have. Um, and then because of the way the story's crafted it it obviously turns out that that's not what they were going for which is okay yeah. you know for some people that's the type of movie they they want for like i said for hardcore horror fans or just just horror fans people that tend to skew towards wanting a straight horror movie uh-huh. i understand the argument that there's not quite enough there to like really just firmly call it a horror movie uh, I just think yeah, there's like a, there's like a few instances of I guess horror in there yeah. to kind of like include it. Although it'd be definitely like lowercase h or if anything.
1: Yeah, one scene specifically that I look at that tells me that this movie is more thriller than horror is uh, and this is in the trailer so this isn't much of a spoiler but it's the scene where the chef and the staff give the patrons a uh, 45 second head start to basically run away now if this was a horror film that scene would have ended very differently than what we got in this movie but this movie is a thriller which is why the last guy that got found was given a was given a beautiful dessert and not had his head cut off, you know what I mean, so that's you know I like the way that they gave. Uh, the customers, the sense that this is it. This is live or die right now. But then they just kind of, uh, you know, flip the, uh, the script on them. And I, I did actually enjoy that, which obviously it brings down the body count. I expected a much higher body count here. In the grand scheme of things, there, are, there is a high body count. But obviously, as a horror fan, for me, if I don't see, if I don't see someone die on screen, then I'm not going to count that as a quote-unquote horror movie death. Um, that's why I'm saying there's really only about three kills in this movie maybe a fourth one but uh, that, that might come back to me as we uh, go through the spoiler section but yeah um, to me it's solidly a thriller like I said I, I stand by my ratio of 90% thriller you know they hint at horror but they never deliver the horror. That's why I'm saying, you know, th- th- this is why I understand why it's not Don's movie, you know, there, there's and why Don was invested for the first half hour, then, but once once he realized what he was actually getting, I can see how Don could lose interest, absolutely. So definitely a valid opinion. Ah, anything else we can uh, kind of say about this one before we get into spoilers? I uh,
2: can't think of anything. Um, yeah, most of my... I think that's pretty much most of my stuff.
1: Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into the spoilers. This is your final spoiler warning, folks. So if you haven't seen the menu yet and actually still plan on seeing it, go ahead and pause the show and join us later. Otherwise, uh, I don't think there's a need for a walkthrough for this movie. If you've seen the trailer, like I said, you've seen the movie. A bunch of rich, elitist douchebags get invited to a secluded island to partake in a, you know, a sumptuous meal that's like once in a lifetime. But, of course, the meal, you know, the chef has ulterior motives, blah, 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 blah. So there's no really need to go through this scene by scene. But let's talk about the individual characters a little bit. Because some of them worked for me, and some of them really didn't. Um, obviously, we could start out with our stars, Anya Taylor-Joy and Nicholas Holt. They play Margot and Tyler. Uh, basically, they're just introduced. They seem like they're a romantic couple, maybe just started dating because they're not very, you know, touchy-feely all over each other. They're, they're, you know, um, Or maybe even a first date. Maybe this is his way of trying to impress, you know, the incredibly beautiful Anya Taylor-Joy. But, um, you know, obviously, Tyler's personality is very much into deconstructing food like he can he can tell you the origin of one ingredient in a dish but the but the guy couldn't fry an egg if you asked him to and that's kind of his crime the the crime of critique always critiquing things that he, he himself cannot do which is something we are all guilty of as horror movie podcasters we critique movies and not a one of us could probably make a decent horror film but it's what we do it's the nature of critiquing so yeah Um, Margot's character, Anya Taylor-Joy, of course, is is kept a little bit of a mystery until we get farther into the film. So for now, we just assume that she's one of these, you know, elitist douchebags as well. Um, Let's see who else. We're introduced to John Leguizamo's character and his um, assistant. Uh, I believe her name was Felicity. Um, But yeah, John Leguizamo, his character doesn't even have a name in this movie. In the credits, they just call him movie star because there, there there is one mildly funny scene where when they have, when they first get to the pier to get on the boat, to go to the Island, um, John Leguizamo is there with his assistant and they ask for his name. He gives his movie star name, like his celebrity alias. And then the assistant gives his real name, but they say him at the exact same time. So it's kind of hard to distinguish what, you know, what name was what, but, um, I just really, really, uh, Thought that that was a cool little relationship. Uh, Slightly into the film, we find out that the assistant is planning on quitting because, you know, she's gotten an offer for something better later on. But, of course, she made the mistake of accompanying him to this uh, dinner. So not likely going to make it out. But we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, Let's see. What else we got? We have our three Wall Street douchebags who are basically the three, the young rich kids, you know, that – I mean, I'm not sure what their exact jobs were. They were, you know, they were in investments in some way, Um, you know, capital. Obviously, the three were rich. They were young. They were rich. They were douchey. Um, It turns out they had been embezzling money from their company. Hence, that is their crime. That is why they are there. Um, Oh, I did forget to mention that. Um Anya Taylor Joy's character, Margot, was not supposed to be here. Margot was not Tyler's first choice as a date. So when they first get there and she introduces herself, um the hostess is almost you could see that she's almost visibly perturbed that the woman that was supposed to come here with Taylor isn't here and now there's this other woman here. That that'll be that'll be important later on, so
0: keep that in the back of your head. Well see I and I, I never I never looked at um, Margot, I guess, as, like, one of the rich – because she always seemed like she kind of stood out from the start, even just on the date. Like, something seemed different, like the new girlfriend, and she didn't seem like she came from the same world because even when they're – even before they get on the boat and he's just explaining to her, like, what's going on, she kind of has that attitude of, like, really? Like, this sounds ridiculous, like, this whole setup just to go – eat food you know um, so right from the get go there's something off about her character but, but the way they initially set it up I just figured oh she's like you know your typical middle class not from this world but we find out later there's even more to it than that
1: Yeah, I mean, her dialogue, obviously, is a big key as to why she doesn't belong in this group, because she's the only one swearing like a sailor, you know, constantly questioning, like Mike said, constantly questioning what's happening around her and why people would go through this much trouble just for a meal that's probably not going to fill you up anyway, blah, blah, blah. She definitely comes off as more organic. So, yeah, Mike is right. She definitely doesn't come off as part of this group. And once we find out that she is a replacement, yeah, that totally makes sense that she was not supposed to be here. So after this, we get an older couple uh Richard and Anne. This was this is uh, Anne is played by Judith Light. Of course, she was the mom on uh, Who's the Boss? Not the grandma, not Mona, but the actor, you know, the mom, the one who actually had a thing for Tony Danza's character. Um, But like I said, I was always a fan of Who's the Boss as a kid. Yes, I'm old, sue me. Um, So I am a fan of Judith Light. It was great to see her in this. She doesn't really do a whole lot. Like, she's not a star per se, but, you know, she's definitely one of the backing characters and, um she basically plays a uh, a wife who's there with her husband, as I mentioned, Richard. Uh, basically, his crime is very obvious. Basically, throughout the movie, we find out that he's a cheater, that he gets prostitutes, that, you know, he's seeing women behind his wife's back, blah, 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 blah. I never truly understood why his wife was there, other than she's his obvious plus one because it's his wife. But they never really get into it, right? Did I miss anything? They never really get into anything bad that she may have done.
0: Other than maybe Uh,
1: forgiving him? I don't know. I
0: I don't recall that, nor do I recall the girl that was with Leguizamo, because... Well, they actually did question her later in the
1: movie. It's kind of supposed to be a joke, but it's still... At least it's an explanation. So I guess we could kind of take that same explanation and put it on this woman, too. Basically, they're rich elitists, Um, you know, because because later on in the movie, as Mike mentioned, the assistant um, actually questions why she's there, because, you know, for all intents and purposes, she's a good person who hasn't done anything bad to anyone. But uh, the chef basically asks her, where did you go to school? And she says I went to Brown, which of course, for those who don't know, Brown is an Ivy League university, very expensive, very elite. And then he asked her, uh, "Do you did you get any student loans?" And she said, "No." And he just looks at her and says, "Yeah, you're gonna die tonight." <laughs> so she basically, should just,
0: she she should <laughs> just lied and said, "Oh, scholarship."
1: Yeah, totally. I'd have been like, yeah, every student loan in the world. I, I, if you kill me, I owe lots of money all over the place. I don't know. But yeah, no, I, 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 for whatever it's worth, obviously, Ray Fine's character, even though he comes off very reserved, um, very intelligent, he's obviously psychotic. He's insane.
0: I mean, he's well, got these people well, he, here. Uh-huh. I, I, I found him to be like a more... Not I'm not grounded, but more just like less gimmicky version of like jigsaw, because uh, he's or all Le- these people, yeah, are Hannibal electric, because yeah, he's bringing mm-hmm. all these people here for a spe- specific reason, like it's not it's not like they're all just one thing, and that's why they're there, it's like there's all the reasons it's all because of something they either don't appreciate or some or they're wronging other people, you know it's a collection of people that are there, for, it almost kind of reminds you of like some of the opening traps in the saw movie where there's like, I think it was like saw six where it was like all like the, uh, banking, maybe mortgage banking people. Oh, and yeah. they all had different jobs within it. Cause like some people were like, I'm just a damn like broker. I have nothing. It's like, but you're still part of that system that rips people off. So it kind of felt like that in an element where like, obviously the levels of what people have done in their life is different, but in, in, uh, the chef's eyes, They've all done something that has justified them bringing there. Of course, the entire concept to a normal person is uh, kind of psychotic anyway, regardless, but in his eyes, it's like, well, you've all done something to get you here.
1: Exactly. yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I still say that there's slightly
1: something off about Ray Fines. I mean, somebody who actually can come up with the, this idea, yes, is an evil genius, but the key word is evil. So (laughs) I'm still going to say he's slightly off base a little bit on this one, even though, again, it's hard to argue with his arguments. He's one of he's one of those sympathetic villains where you can kind of see why he's doing what he's doing. You don't necessarily agree with it. Um, You know, murder isn't always the right um, answer to a certain kind of injustice, you know, Um, and as petty and vindictive as I am, I still can recognize that, you know, if somebody throws a Pepsi at me, shooting them in the face is not the proper response. I understand that, but there's that element in the back of your head that says, eh, yes, it is the proper response. And I think that's where kind of Ray fines is coming
0: from a little bit. Not just not. Yeah. So- mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, Cause I would say like his most justified beef might be with none of the actual people at the dinner itself, but the, uh, the guy that they rig with the angel wings to like the angel (laughs) investor guy, because that guy actually has a correlation with kind of like in, in the chef's eyes ruining his career because he's like, okay, once he invested, then he decided he was going to be making decisions about my menu and what Mm -hmm. I should and shouldn't be doing. So you could see the legitimate anger there. The other people, it's like, he was mad at the, at the philandering rich guy just, I guess because like he treated yeah, get going right to the dinner, mm-hmm. yeah, he tra- he treated going to the dinners as just like something petty to do because I'm rich and I can afford it. There was no like love for it, I guess.
1: Exactly. They were just paying for an experience. They weren't paying because they love the food or he's their favorite chef. They're paying to do all this 11 times because it's a status symbol. It's they can say I've had food with him 11
0: times. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I love how the chef got mad because the wife was trying to help him. She said cod and he's yeah. like, it was it was halibut. And it, it's like, yeah, I understand, but some people do call halibut cod, from what I know. Like <laughs> well, I valid,
1: valid, but a chef, you know, to a chef, that's offensive. So I, I can kind of see where he came from there. Um, I don't agree with it, necessarily. I'm just saying I kind of see where he comes from. Anyway, uh, the final two members of our little menagerie are probably the most obvious choices, a restaurant critic. We have a restaurant critic with her assistant. Her assistant, who basically is a yes man, basically agrees with everything she says, even when she disagrees with them instantly. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, actually, you're right. It's much better. You know, what you're saying is much better. So he's, he's a total lackey. Um, and then, of course, her crime is that through her bad reviews that she's given over the years, she's actually caused some restaurants to close down. So her literally her words are affecting people's livelihoods. So yeah, that that's her crime. She does come off as very pretentious and shitty. But ultimately, she's a food critic. It's her damn job. And if you know, if she doesn't like it, she's not going to give something a positive review that she doesn't like. See, here's me as a movie critic trying to sympathize with the restaurant critic. Um, but, you know, she, she is way more pretentious than anyone that I know that podcasts or reviews movies or anything. So her prime is very obvious. So that's our menagerie of guests. Uh, the evening starts fairly normal. Uh, you know, they get an appetizer, uh, they get an appetizer. It's a seventh course meal. So they get an appetizer uh, and then they start going through the courses and ev- with each course, The chef will come out and give a speech about the meal, um, either about its ingredients, where they come from, or maybe what it means to him. On a personal level, he actually does tell some personal stories in the movie. I forgot to mention his mother is there. I, I don't think she actually has a line in the movie, but she's she's basically just a drunk decoration in the corner, just with her head down pretty much most of the movie. To the I, point, I, I think,
0: yeah, she, I think at one point she refers to the foodie guy as like a handsome boy, and right? That's the yep, you're
1: right, you're right.
0: <laughs> Through her drunken haze, she's able to get out, handsome boy. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's so funny because she's you, she's kind of there off to the side, you know, for the entire time. And you kind of, I, I think before I even knew it was his mom, I kind of assumed it was. But you assume that maybe she's just there because it's his mom, and he treats her to the food. And then you find out, oh, oh it's actually for the same reason they are. Yeah, and that exactly. Kind of made me laugh.
1: Mom's kind of shitty too. I I don't remember her exact story, but it had to do with
0: killing her husband, wasn't it?
1: Uh, uh well,
0: I, didn't he? Didn't he? Kind of, and he also related because there was like kind of a throwaway line, not throwaway, but just he kind of said it in passing about like because I think when he was criticizing the uh, restaurant critic, he's like, you know, nothing I do is good enough for you people, and then he turns to his mom and he's like, and he refers to, like, that's part of the reason she's there, too. Because maybe growing up, she was, like, always hard on him and stuff.
1: That makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, But, yeah, so, uh, obviously, as I've said, as we kind of go along, we get more courses. The first couple of courses are very normal. Um, (laughs) Though the second course I found kind of interesting, it's basically uh, he provided uh, his patrons with bread accessories, but with or bread accompaniments, but with no bread and basically the explanation he gives, you know, in, in his intro for that uh, course, he talks about how bread is over 15,000 years old that people from all financial spectrums, you know, enjoy it, especially the poor because, you know, bread is basically just flour and water. It's like the easiest thing in the world to make. Um, you don't need a lot of money, blah blah blah, and then he. But then he ends the that part of the speech with, "But you, my friends, are not poor. You are part of the elite. So I will not be serving you bread today." And then he literally hands them a plate with little dabs of things that you would normally spread on bread, but he just gives everybody like this little wooden shovel spoon, and, and everybody's just eating the accompaniment. I thought that was kind of interesting. At one point, our our um, our Wall Street douchebags actually ask for bread. I love this scene, too, because one of them asks for bread, and the head waitress uh, says no. And you can see the expression on the three guys change, like they've literally never heard the word no in their life. Instant, And then instantly they're like, do you know who we are? I mean, do you know who we are? And of course, everyone there knows who everyone else is. Everyone on the staff knows who every single guest is, their name, why they're there. So, you know, again, I thought that was kind of cool the consorted effort. It's not just the psychotic chef, it's also his slightly unhinged kitchen staff as well. They are all in on it. So, I, I also found that pretty entertaining. And then finally we get to the first weird course, if you will. And that is taco Tuesday. Um, basically this is where he, where the chef relates the story of, um, A very specific Taco Tuesday where his father was, you know, came home drunk and was overly abusive and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that turned into a very major memory for him throughout his life. So Taco Tuesday, even though this guy is a high end chef, Taco Tuesday has always kind of held a special place in his heart, if you will. So you may have seen this in the trailer. In the trailer, they actually do show a scene where people are enjoying this course and on printed on the tortillas are, you know, different either pictures or texts that basically show, you know, the crimes of these individual people Um, for the for the Wall Street douchebags. It's spreadsheets. It's basically it's. um, Tra- wire transactions you know uh money from the u.s from u.s accounts going into private cayman islands accounts things like that basically showing the proof that these guys have embezzled money from their company for the old man for the old couple they show a picture of him on a date with another woman a woman that's not his wife and his wife sees this at first, he's able to convince her that, oh, it's just a Photoshop. I mean, the, you know, this is stupid. I've, I've never seen another woman. This is all after Anya Taylor-Joy has been eyeballing this guy for the whole movie. Like when she first saw him on the boat, she had a very visceral reaction. And then since then, periodically, we'll see them exchange a look, a very knowing look. And, you know, obviously, we don't get the explanation for that until a little bit later. Um, uh, Who else? Uh, The guy, Tyler, Anya Taylor-Joy's guest, basically his tortillas have uh, photos of him taking pictures of the food, which is something that the chef very, uh, very distinctly asked at the beginning of the meal them not to do. Do not take any pictures of any of the food courses here. These are for you. These are not for the people on the Internet. Um, And of course, This guy was one of those douchebags who takes a picture of every single meal he's ever had and puts it on social media. Um, So obviously that was his crime is just the fact that he deconstructs um, food and knows so much about it. But as I said earlier, the man can't fry an egg. That gets proven a little bit later in the movie. We'll get to that. Um, let's see, what else was printed on some of these tortillas? Oh, on John Leguizamo's tortilla. This is the one that I found the most entertaining. Basically, it's the movie poster for one of his previous movies. As I mentioned, John Leguizamo plays a movie star in in this one and, you know, kind of a fairly famous one well past his prime, but one that's fairly recognizable. Like a few people here at the dinner actually do recognize him and basically it's a movie poster for his film called calling dr sunshine which was basically you know uh, a movie that he did just for money he talks about how the movie is a piece of shit but you know it, it was a fun time and that he doesn't regret making it um obviously that one's a little bit more vague like why is the movie poster on his tortilla like is he responsible for making that movie Did he kill someone on the set like what exactly, you know, we don't really get the explanation for that until a little bit later Now at this point in the film, uh, did I get all the tortillas? Did I miss any? Uh, I got the Wall Street guys. Cool, oh, the food critic. Yes. The food critics tortillas have pictures of restaurants on them, just like the interior of like really nice dining rooms and whatnot. But then after looking at them for a few minutes, the restaurant critic realizes, wait a minute. These are restaurants that I've reviewed who closed shortly after my review came out. So, again, her crime is the fact that her words are so powerful, she costs people their jobs, their livelihoods, everything else, you know, without a shred of emotion or caring, anything. So, yeah, so that was pretty interesting. And then comes the next course, and the next course is where things start to get really crazy. Uh, Basically, the next course is where the chef brings out one of his assistant chefs. And introduces the man, I think his name was Jonathan, and he talks about how Jonathan has wanted nothing but to be like the chef throughout his life. He's basically abandoned everything in his life to try to be as absolutely great as he possibly can at the culinary arts. But unfortunately, the chef says, Jonathan is a good chef, but he'll never be a great chef. No matter what he does, no matter what effort he puts in, he will never, ever be a great chef, and he will never have my life. And at one point, he actually asked the guy, Jonathan, you know, do you want my skills? Do you want my life? And Jonathan basically says no. At this point, Jonathan is handed a pistol. He takes the pistol, puts it in his mouth, and unceremoniously blows his own brains out, obviously shocking everyone in the restaurant. You know, everybody starts freaking out. Holy shit, what's going on? Some of the people there think it's part of the show. Like, they think it's just, like, dinner theater Like they don't think it's actually happening that these people that that guy actually killed himself. Um, But of course he did absolutely 100% kill himself. The rest of the kitchen staff unceremoniously, you know, takes his body out of the kitchen and we, you know, it's
0: never brought up again, literally. So, um, yeah. And the the course is called Jeremy's mess, which is Jonathan's mess. Yeah. Jonathan. Yeah. So cool. Um,
1: i'm probably going to miss a course or two you know as i'm going along because i might not remember all seven but uh hopefully i remember the big ones now at this point um the chef speaks to anya taylor joy privately he speaks to Margot privately basically he tells her i don't think you belong with these people you're 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 a last minute replacement um i don't think you're actually supposed to be here and he says this because he says that he can kind of see in her face That she's one of them. She's more of a server, not a taker. Whereas, you know, the people that are in the dining room paying for this meal, they're takers. They take everything they want. Whereas, you know, uh, service providers, they're givers. They give their service. They give their goods and services to paying customers, blah, blah, blah. So he basically, you know, grills her. Uh, you know, Margot continues to say, "My, I'm, my name is Margot Mills. I'm from Nebraska." Blah blah blah. Obviously, later in the film, we do find out that is a lie. She is not Mar- Margot Mills. Um, her name is actually Erin, and she's from Massachusetts, I believe she says. And she's a prostitute. Yes, she's actually a prostitute. So she's not. She's not even dating Tyler. Tyler just kind of brought her with him. Uh, knowing that she's a prostitute, just it's almost like an escort for the night, if you will. But, you know, she's such a beautiful high end looking escort that it probably fits the bill. But like I said, because of the way she acts, the way she speaks, you know, the way she's not embarrassed to speak her mind, you know, to literally look at the chef and say, this is fucking stupid, you know, blah, blah, blah instantly the chef understands, yeah, you're not one of them. And he actually gives her an offer. He actually makes her the offer. He basically tells her exactly what he's going to do uh, the rest of the movie. He literally says, and this is a major spoiler of course, but he literally says, I am going, we are killing everyone tonight. Everyone is going to die. Staff, customers, myself, all of us, we are all going to die today. And Anya, you know, Margo's like, well, if I'm going to die anyway, what's the point of making a choice? And basically, Ray Fine says, oh, oh no, 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 it's very important. You know, do you want to die with the takers or do you want to die with the givers? And, you know, he basically gives her a he sets a kitchen timer to 15 minutes and literally says, OK, in 15 minutes, I want your decision. And I think we I think we end up getting another course um, of dinner. I don't remember specifically which Um it was after the tacos. Uh, I, I can't remember now. But anyway, we, we, we end up getting another course where the older, you know, the older couple, Judith Light and her husband, uh, basically, he tries to leave. Basically, he says, I, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Uh, you people are crazy. I'm too rich to have to deal with this shit. Not in exact words, but in so many words. Um, he ends up getting, you know, restrained, uh, brought to the table, and the... Um, the head wait, the head waitress again, or the, you know, uh, yeah, let's just go with head waitress. Sorry. Um, she basically asks him, um, are you going to take care of us with your left or your right hand? And he obviously doesn't have, understand the question. And he's and again, she repeats herself, your left or your right hand. Now, as horror movie viewers, I think we know it's coming, but it doesn't exactly come as we think. Um, she basically tells her staff, okay, left hand, ring finger. I thought they were going to take the whole fucking hand off, but what they do is they take off the, the ring finger on the left hand, which is, of course, the important finger. That's the one that we wear our wedding band on. They cut the finger off unceremoniously. He starts screaming and bleeding all over the place, and his wedding ring falls off in slow motion, which I thought was really cool. Kind of message the fact that this marriage is very obviously over at this point, even if these people survive and, and escape this day, this marriage is over, so I, I kind of like the symbolism there and uh, basically, you know he's put back at the table, they bandage him up, and that 's all the repercussion, like you know you'd think they might kill him or whatever, but nope, they just put him back in his seat, and that 's the end of that. Um, so at this point, the fifteen minutes expires, and the chef asks Anya. What's your decision? Um, But after giving more explanation as to why he wants Anya to join them, you know, because he recognizes that she is a service provider. And I think he even recognized what kind of service provider she was because, you know, he even brought it up. Like, do you enjoy your work? Do you do you enjoy providing the service that you provide? And of course, you know, Margot says, yes, no, I used to. So basically she used to like what she's doing, but obviously now it's more of a dredge, you know, it's more of an actual job that she just regrets, blah, blah, blah. And at that point, she does make the decision to join the staff. To so, so, you know, to she, she, it, it's almost like she's physically joining the staff because literally as soon as she makes uh, the decision to not be one of the takers, to be one of the givers, um, the chef gives her a task. He basically tells her, I need you to go out, um to my quarters and get a barrel that should be in there uh, that should be here in the kitchen but isn't and he even accuses his head waitress of forgetting to get it even though later on we find out he never gave her the instruction to get that barrel so um so while she's in the house that
0: was was kind of an interesting that was kind of an interesting wrinkle that i wasn't sure where they were going with that like why
1: Yeah, very much so. No, it was definitely one of those, like, you know, question marks. It's like, why why the hell would he do that? Like, purposely not tell her. We we don't get an exact reason necessarily, but in the process of Margot looking for this barrel, um, she ends up going through some personal items in the chef's um, house. Uh, She starts seeing pictures of him throughout his career. And in all the pictures, he has like, you know, just that scowl on his face, like he's not smiling. It doesn't seem like he gets any joy from cooking. But then she goes all the way back and she finds a placard that is an Employee of the Month placard from 1987, from a restaurant called hamburger hamlet and hamburger hamlet is a real restaurant for those who don't know um it used to be a chain out here in california southern california we used to have like five or six of them i think we're only down to one now because of the pandemic
0: i think what was that mike I've, i've heard of it never been to it though
1: yeah i don't know if it was any if there were any outside of southern california but i was lucky enough that there was one literally around the corner from my house in sherman oaks and it was it was one of, it was was a high-end burger place. It was like a sit-down restaurant. It wasn't a fast-food joint. But it was the kind of place where you would order your bread and your burger, and they would bring you just the bread and the burger, and then it would be like a salad bar type thing for the, oh, top, okay. the, the topping bar. Um, and I loved it because I love making my own burgers. You know, you give me my meat and my bread, and I can take care of everything else. No restaurant we, ever gets the proportions exact,
0: you know? <laughs> we had a... Uh... We had a place up here like that called Fuddruckers, and I don't. That might be in yeah, was, other places, but similar. you order the size of the burger you want and the type of yeah. bun and all that, and then you go to, up to the toppings bar, basically.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Um. I wouldn't call Hamburger Hamlet high end. I mean, you could see in the
1: picture that the chef is. You know, he's a kid. He's he looks like he's like eighteen years old. He's wearing a Hamburger Hamlet T-shirt. You know, but the point is he's smile smiling in the picture It is the only picture of him smiling now this is a man who's dedicated his life to cooking who wants nothing more than to cook the greatest dishes ever yet it doesn't seem like anything brings him any joy keep that in the back of your head because that's important for later Um, while she's continuing looking through his stuff in the house the head waitress does finally show up um, she realizes that uh, Margot is, you know, snooping around the house looking for stuff. So they get into a fight. Um, uh, basically, the head waitress grabs a knife, starts attacking Margot. And man, skinny little Anya Taylor Joy can do an action scene, you know, if, if, if uh, called upon. You know, it's not diehard by any stretch, but I never would think you know wafer thin Anya Taylor Joy could pull off a fight scene, but yeah, there it is. She pulls off a halfway decent one, and she does eventually bury that knife into the throat of the head waitress. She grabs the barrel. She finds. She actually does find a shortwave radio, and we see her kind of fiddling with the knobs. But the scene cuts before she does anything, uh, before she actually successfully calls anybody or whatever. And then the next time we see her, she's coming back into the restaurant with the barrel and, you know, she basically, the barrel's too heavy for her to actually carry, so she wheels it, actually rolls it into the restaurant, just kicks it down the stairs unceremoniously, and then sits down. At this point, she's covered in dirt and blood, but no one is questioning what she's been doing. Like, even the chef is like, what the heck? Like, doesn't, he doesn't say anything. She literally has blood on her face, her dress is torn, but no one questions anything, so there you go, okay. Um... Where are we at this point? Um, I think we've gotten pretty much most of the reveals, right, at this point of who everybody is. Um, The guy that's with the restaurant um, critic is accused of just being an enabler. That's his crime. He's an enabler. Basically a yes man agrees with everything she says, blah, blah, blah. We already went over, you know, the girl, um, John Leguizamo's assistant, and just the fact that she's rich. We already went over Judith Light's character who – I can't really think of what she did so wrong that she deserved that, but there it is. Now, I forgot to mention, too, that throughout the film, with every new dinner course, you do get text on screen actually giving you, like, the ingredients and maybe a quick little blurb about the dish. Um, You know, like, with Jonathan's mess, it basically gives it, it shows the ingredients, and then it says, uh, assistant chef, gun, one bullet. (laughs) <laughs> like with all ingredients in the in the uh, in that course um and then finally let's just go ahead and skip to the final course it is our well actually no before we get to the final course after Anya Taylor Joy you know um calls it turns out she did successfully call someone on the shortwave radio they show up there's this big scene of him pulling out his gun, having the gun pointed on Ray Fine's character the whole time. Everyone in the restaurant starts kind of celebrating, like, yes, finally we're saved, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, we get the silly uh, thing where the Coast Guard uh, member basically takes his gun, points it at Anya Taylor-Joy's candle, and then pulls the trigger, and it's a fucking lighter. The gun is just a lighter. It turns out the Coast Guard guy is actually with the chef, and he's actually one of the kitchen members. He's actually one of the kitchen staff, because he takes off his Coast Guard coat and puts on a chef coat and goes back to work in the kitchen. So I guess just to give give the customers a false sense of hope, they pulled that little gag out of their hats. And then after this, we get um, basically Anya Taylor-Joy's little moment of realization. Uh, at this point, she stands up just before the chef is about to, in- to introduce the final course. But she interrupts him uh, basically throughout the film. I'm sure you've seen it in the trailer. He'll clap his hand very loudly once to get everyone's attention. And that's, you know, that's everyone's cue to shut the fuck up and listen to the chef talk about this particular course. Just as the chef is about to clap his hands, Anya Taylor-Joy claps her hands instead. She claps them first. And she tells the chef, chef, I'm not happy with your food and I'd like to send it back. Um, This is a callback to a conversation that Margo and Tyler had earlier where Tyler basically said, you can't send food back when you're dealing with chefs like this. Like it's unheard of. You just don't send the food back. So of course, um, she decides, I'm not happy with the food. Um I want to send it back. In fact, the biggest travesty of this whole night is that I'm still fucking hungry. And you know, Ray finds you can see he's kind of taken aback, like he definitely did not expect this outburst from Margot. And he basically just asks her, "What is the problem with your food?" And she says, "It's just it's not good. It's not something that people enjoy eating." You've taken all the love out of cooking. And he retorts instantly, no, no, no. The number one ingredient in all of our food is love. We make it all lovingly. And, you know, Margot vehemently disagrees. She says, no, no, no. There is no love in your food. There is only obsession. That's what's in your food. You are so obsessed with creating the perfect dish that you've taken all the joy out of cooking and you've taken even more of the joy out of eating. Like, eating your food isn't even a pleasurable experience. And you can see Ray finds it it actually affects him. Like, he actually almost starts to get, like, almost sad-looking, like he failed. He failed miserably as a chef, as this world-renowned chef, but he's got this one person who's very unhappy with what he makes. So then he asks her, what would you like me to make you? What are you hungry for? And literally she just says, I want a cheeseburger. I just want, and I don't want one of your deconstructed, foo-foo fucking burgers. I want a real, greasy, down-to-earth cheeseburger. And the chef is like, you know, you could see him almost taken aback a little bit. Like, hmm, I've never had that request before. Um, and he agrees. He basically says, okay, I will make you the best cheeseburger you've ever had. It will make you forget about all other cheeseburgers you've had in the past. And then we see, we see him preparing the burger. And my friends, this is a huge moment in the movie. A lot of people might not even notice. This is the first time he smiles. While he's making the burger, he actually has like a Mona Lisa smile on his face, like a very sly half smile type thing. It's literally the first time he has shown any kind of joy in this film. You know, like like I said, all the cooking for him has been so scientific, so analytic, so, you know, clinical. There's no love to it. There's barely any flavor to it, if you will. Like I said, everything's deconstructed and foamed and gelled and blah, blah, blah. And literally, as he's making these burger, this burger, he's making her, and honestly, this burger looks fucking amazing. It's just this beautiful, glorious, greasy mess of meat and cheese and bread, just Just a lovely burger. Anya Taylor-Joy takes one bite out of the burger and says, Chef, that is the best burger I've ever had. And again, he fucking smiles. I I know a lot of people are going to miss this, but these are some key moments in this man's character arc. The fact that he once again is feeling joy from cooking, something that's been robbed of him for Lord knows how long, 20, 30, 40 years for all we know. And he is happy again, and he's cooking, and he's he's making something with love. And when the customer tells him that it's delicious, it's not like in one ear and out the other. Like he actually hears her and sees her, and it affects him. The compliment affects him. So in Anya Taylor-Joy's Infinite Wisdom, she decides to tell the chef, uh, unfortunately, my eyes were a little bit bigger than my stomach this time. So is there any chance uh, I could get this to go? And everybody just looks around. And literally in my theater, everybody laughed because, you know, obviously everybody's like, he's not going to let you go. What are you talking about? But literally, he does exactly that. He takes the cheeseburger. He takes the fries. She never even touched the fries, by the way. She took one bite of the burger. He puts it in this beautiful package for her, gives her a gift bag, and says, thank you very much for joining us, and allows her to leave. Yes, the fact that, 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 I mean, to me, that's a really heavy moment in here. The fact that this woman, who is a prostitute for fuck's sake, brought Joy back to this man's cooking, and I think he appreciated it so much, That he just lets her go. And and he does. It's not like a double cross. He legitimately lets her fucking go. They open the front door. They hand her the food, the gift bag, her coat, and they just let her go. And um, eventually she gets into a boat, the Coast Guard boat that the fake Coast Guard guy showed up in. She does eventually figure out how to drive it and does eventually drive off the island. Now, back at the restaurant, of course, we still have one more course. We have our dessert course. And I love the explanation for this one. Uh, Basically, the chef says one of the biggest travesties, one of the worst things that's ever been done in the history of food is called the s'more. And he starts talking about how the marshmallows are just fluffed garbage sugar, how the chocolate is just over sweetened, over creamed, the cheapest cocoa beans you could possibly find. And then the whole thing is put on the most drab palette of a (laughs) graham cracker. I mean, he's fully insulting the s'more. Something that I actually kind of like, but that's another story. Um, but everything that he's saying about it was 100% accurate. It's true. I mean, it's basically just processed garbage in a s'more, but we love it. And there's some more social commentary there that, you know, again, we're, we're like kids when we eat. We just want to eat what we find delicious. Maybe not necessarily what's good for us, what will help us, things like that. We just want either something incredibly delicious or there's the other spectrum of the foodies who just want to be able to say, oh, I had Chef Slowick's, you know, amazing, you know, pinnacle meal, blah, blah, blah. Um, so after he gives the explanation of the uh, gram, uh, excuse me, of the s'mores, we see his staff spreading crushed graham crackers uh, from that barrel, mind you, the barrel that Anya Taylor-Joy got, uh, basically uh, spreading crushed graham cracker all over the floor. And then the people that are still seated at the tables, they are fitted with marshmallow jackets, like marshmallow constraints, basically like tied up marshmallows that are like, you know, keeping their arms restrained. And then they all get a crown of chocolate, an actual crown on their head made of chocolate. And he, you know, he basically gives one last little speech about, I I don't even remember the exact uh, point of that final speech, um, but basically just you know how everyone here has taken the joy out of something that should be joyful eating eating is something that we should enjoy it should be an experience but the the rich elite have you know kind of whittled it down to just uh, you know something that they can put on Instagram that you know that they can brag about it's not just for them they got to tell everybody about it he, he talks about other stuff too. blah blah blah. We see him grab some hot coals from under his stove. He's got, he's actually got like a coal stove there or it might be wood. I'm not sure, but he like, he grabs a couple of the coals with his bare hand, mind you out uh, from under the stove. Um, As he's continuing his little final speech, he goes ahead and stands right in the center of the biggest pile of the graham cracker. And then, you know, after he says his final line, he drops the hot coals onto the graham cracker on the ground. Apparently it's been mixed. Uh, you, we also see them pouring wine on the floor through various points, but obviously the graham cracker stuff has been altered in some way to make it mm-hmm. flammable. Cause it, like I said, as soon as he drops the coals onto the pile that he's standing on, he instantly bursts in the flames. So he's literally the first one on fire and, you know, we see his kitchen staff, um, just go back into the kitchen and, um, the surround the main like cooking area of the kitchen. And as that goes up in flame, they start slowly getting engulfed in flame too. Uh, We get one final shot of the restaurant, like the patrons basically sitting at the table, the chocolate crowns are melting onto their face, the marshmallow restraints, the little marshmallow jackets, they're starting to kind of form into one solid piece, you know, as marshmallow melts, it just kind (laughs) of melds together, if you will. And then the final shot of the film is Anya Taylor-Joy on the lake, um, on the water anyway. I don't know if it's a lake or a river, but on the the water surrounding the island. And she's just sitting there eating her cheeseburger using the menu as a napkin. She actually wipes her mouth with the night's menu, which was kind of like a commemorative thing that was a gift that was given in the gift bag. And she just watches the whole place go up in flame while she's eating her cheeseburger. And that's our film, my friend. Fade the black,
0: and that is the menu. All right, uh, <laughs> now I got a question. What's up? Because something that happened way earlier, and <laughs> it may be unrelated, and I maybe just be some something that was on my mind. But when they first get to the island, and they show them like the smokehouse or the aging house, and they <laughs> talk about like oh, the aging of the beef, and oh, it's perfect on this day, but if you let it go one more day, it could be quite, like, lethal deadly. or deadly. Now, is there any part of you that thinks that that beef was tainted? Because the way the movie ends, it's almost like they, she she starts eating more of the burger, and they kind of, like, after the, after the house and everything blows up, it's like they kind of hang on to a shot of her, and I can't tell if, like... We're supposed to think she's like starting to get woozy like she's gonna pass out and she oh. she does die or or if she truly or if he truly did you know if he was truly touched by the fact that she brought the joy back and legitimately let her go or if he was fucking with her the whole time and like she was gonna die from being poisoned from the burger I, it's hard I just, to, it's one of those things on a first watch it it's hard to tell for sure because obviously it's, I couldn't just like, you know, throw it back on a second time to like sure. watch again. But I Honest, do, I, I do kind of wonder,
1: honestly, I didn't get that at all. Like the, whatever wooziness or haziness you're talking about. I didn't get it. She was bright eyed the entire time eating the burger. I think she took a total of three bites in that final shot where the camera just kind of hangs on her. Uh, I didn't get that from it. I I feel like, you know, the chef, You know, he he was thankful for the legitimate moment of joy that he got to experience, knowing that he was going to die that night anyway. Um, The fact that on his final night on this earth, he felt a joy that he probably hasn't felt in over 30 years, maybe more, because the picture from Hamburger Hamlet was what, from 1987? What's that? That's, oh, that's 35 years ago. Is that right? 35? Is my math right? I think so. So, I mean this guy probably hasn't felt any joy from what he does for a good 30 years. And the fact that someone actually brought him a little bit of joy, I think he was genuinely appreciative of that. Cause you can even see his staff. They were surprised when he said to let her go, not that he actually said the words, but he basically motions towards the doorman and he nods, basically allowing Anya Taylor joy to go. And you can see the expression on the doorman's face. Like, really we're letting her go. And yeah, they let her go. So, I mean, I'm not going to say that you're wrong, Mike. I'm just going to say I didn't see that.
0: Yeah, it, it was just more me wondering. Like, I, I can't say definitively either way, because it's you not like they so did like, anything obvious. <laughs> you just don't <so laughs> like happy endings. You want to see everybody die. <laughs> hey uh, that might have made
1: this more of a horror movie honestly uh, if that was actually correct and she keeled over right before the camera faded to black I, I, I think you have to kind of give it a little bit more horror cred at that point but like I said I didn't see that that's just me <laughs> god damn I, I, want a, I want a cheeseburger <laughs>
0: Uh, I know, it did. Lo- it did look delicious.
1: Oh, so God, it was like, spectacular. It was like a Five Guys Meats, in and out, just magical. Just like no- The only veggie on it was onion, which it, literally, it's like the burger was fucking made for me. It's just meat, cheese, bread, onion, boom, done. And, oh, God, that burger looked amazing.
0: And the crinkle-cut fries looked nice, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I, I would have definitely t- tried to take that to go as well.
1: I mean, yeah, and, and that's the thing. So i got to give uh, Margot credit. I mean, that is a genius move, that she figured out that he hasn't experienced any joy in his life in years and that potentially, if, if potentially she could get him to feel some joy for the first time in a long time, that he might spare her. Obviously, it's taken a long shot. It's, a, it's taken a risk because, you know, like I said, he was already of the mentality that everyone is dying tonight, all of us, them, me, us, everyone. Um, so the fact that something actually happened to change his mind, um, I thought it was well done. I thought it was, you know, um, heartfelt, like I said, like just watching him make that burger it just felt so, it, it was almost like a Christmas movie. It was like a warm feeling watching him make mm-hmm. this burger with a smile on his face. You know what I mean? So, you know, even though this is a despicable human being who's doing awful things for reasons that he thinks are valid, Just to see that moment of joy in his face, actually, it it did a lot for me. It definitely did a lot for me. I
0: I thought the whole scene with the fake Coast Guard guy was pretty cool because (laughs) I I think they they were almost playing on the audience's expectations because it's a familiar setup to where either or, or what you're I think what you're used to seeing is like. It's a it's a real Coast Guard, but like the bad guys outsmart him and he ends up leaving and they're not able to help. Where in this case, they almost do like the three different swerves at once, because first it's like, <laughs> oh, he got outsmarted. Oh, they actually passed him a note to say, help us. Oh, he's going to do this without any type of backup and try to do it himself. Oh, what the hell's going Oh, he was in on it the whole time. Like I, I thought that was smartly done. And
1: it, I, I, I thought it was really interesting, too, how um, the, the Coast Guard guy didn't ask for Liguizamo's autograph and Liguizamo didn't offer it up. It was actually Ray Fine saying, would you like his autograph? It, like he he's the chef was 100 percent sure that he wasn't going to give him an autograph, that he was going to try to write him a note. Yeah. So, again, he predicted his customers, you know, to a T. So nice. <laughs>
0: Yeah, pretty well thought out there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I said, this isn't the most clever movie in the world, but the elements that are clever, I do want to give some props to. Because, you know, as I've said, as me and Mike have said, it's a fun movie. It's mildly enjoyable, mildly fun. It's not groundbreaking. It's not nothing that's going to change the world. But... You know, for an hour and 45 minutes in a theater, it was a fun time. I didn't, I I didn't find myself. I never rolled my eyes once. And that's always big for me. Like nothing about this movie frustrated me. And that's huge for me because I mean, there are movies that most people would call 10 out of 10s that have something that make me roll my eyes or just, you know, a cringy moment, if you will. And for me personally, yeah, this movie didn't have like, there was no wasted scenes in my opinion, Very little wasted dialogue. Like, everything had a purpose. Every scene had a purpose. Uh, Yeah, I I just think it's a really, really well-made film. Will it hit for everybody? Of course not. But I think most genre fans will probably find something in here to enjoy. I know
0: I did. Agreed. So, uh, Don, you have anything before we wrap it up? No, not really.
2: Like I said, I, I stopped really, like, taking notes like half an hour in, so. Yeah,
1: not a movie for Don, but. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's not like I hated it. It's just, it's not a genre I'd look at. And if we, if we didn't do the show, I probably would have never watched it, so.
1: Oh, same here. I don't know that I would have ran out and watched it. Like, I might have waited till it was on streaming or something. But, you know, I, I, Ray Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy are two people that I thoroughly enjoy in almost everything they've done. And, you know, knowing that this was a thriller slash horror, I was mildly excited for it. And even with my kind of excitement level for it, it still delivered for me. Like I said, it didn't change the world. It didn't, you know, it's not a top ten film by any stretch, but I I genuinely enjoyed it. And I I think most people will at least find some enjoyment out of this. I mean, there was even there was somebody walking out of the theater saying that it was stupid, like literally one of one of the theater employees asked uh, one of the guests who was sticking around through the credits, "What'd you think of it?" And I heard the guy say, "Oh, that was shit." And I'm like, "Really? Did we watch the same movie?" Because I mean, even Don admits the movie isn't shit. It's not something yeah. he what likes. It, you know, it's not up his wheelhouse, and that's fine. But this guy literally called it shit, and I'm like, "What the fuck movie did you watch?" And then instantly, I started to think, "Oh, he's the restaurant critic."
2: <laughs> yeah, it's nowhere uh, close. It's still. A- great film it's just not my yeah. style so exactly exactly yeah
1: so yeah i recommend it i say go see it. it it's not necessarily a must watch in the theater by any stretch i'm doing some really nice cinematography especially with the food like the food shots in here are expertly done they look beautiful now, uh, you, kind of,
2: some uh-huh. of them actually look good uh, some of them okay. actually looked really good and I, i'm not really a fan of like that kind of cuisine but i'd probably taste a couple of them
1: Oh yeah, that that chicken thigh that they served with the taco steak oh. course—that looked awesome. Like a charred, uh, dark dark meat, like like a, almost like a—I don't want to say seared. No, it was more charred because there was some blackness to it. But yeah, like a, just a nice charred chicken thigh. And it looked awesome. And then tortillas. I mean,
0: you know, I, I'm I'm Spanish, so
1: <laughs> I love some good tortilla. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alrighty then. Well, that's gonna wrap up our discussion on the menu. So let's go find out where we can hear from us. Otherwise, Venom, you're up first.
1: All right. No more room in hell presents Creature Comforts. Episode thirteen is almost done editing. I will finish editing it this evening after we after we're done here, and hopefully it'll be out right around the same time that you're hearing this episode. Maybe a day or two later. So. On that episode, of course, we looked at... Um, oh,
2: well, you never told them, so...
1: Right, right. Uh, on that episode, we yeah. looked at 1973's uh, The Golden Voyage of Sinbad. Yes, uh, kind of a... I mean, it's Ray Harryhausen, so it makes sense that we're doing it on creature comforts, but, you know, it's not, it's not nearly his biggest creature feature as far as, like, number of creatures and creature battles and things like that. Creature but, screen time. Exactly. Thank you. Um, but it's still a really fun movie. Spoiler alert. I think we all enjoyed it. But yeah, that'll be out later this week. So check out that episode. We also have a quick discussion at the beginning just about our general thoughts and love of Harryhausen. All things Harryhausen. So like I said, check that out. Uh, the main show, No More Room in Hell, episode, what, 49? I think we're up to 48 or 49. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it did get postponed again. Um, so hopefully... Hopefully, Thanksgiving weekend, we can find some free time to get together and do this because man, we're coming up on two months since we've done a full episode. I mean, I, I, but luckily, we did our commentary in October, but yeah, it's it's coming up on almost two months since the last main show, so definitely fingers crossed that we get that done sooner than later, and the movies we'll be looking at there are um, Lucio Fulci's, um, shit, I forgot the name of it, City of the Living Dead, yes, yeah, City of the Living Dead. And then the other one is Cemetery of Terror. Not Fulci. I forget who directed that one, but I'm sure Don knows.
2: Well,
0: <laughs> I think yeah, it's Spanish, well, it's isn't it?
2: Fulci did City of, City of the Living Dead.
1: Yeah, City. Of, uh, what about the other one? Cemetery of Terror. Ruben you know? Galendo. Galendo, thank you. Yes. So.
2: Wait, uh, Junior, his son.
1: Okay, cool. <laughs> we we would have taken the answer. <laughs> we would have given you full credit.
2: <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I, I it's his son.
1: Sure, he, sure. He, <laughs> uh, I actually got corrected at the supermarket recently when I said, um, I said Lon Chaney Jr. Was in the original Phantom of the Opera and an old woman vehemently corrected me. Lon Chaney Sr. I was <laughs> like, wow, that was awesome. <laughs> I got put in my place, but in the best possible way, it, you know, in a horror conversation. And I'm talking old woman. I mean, like octogenarian. <laughs> Lon Chaney Sr. <laughs> It was probably my most fun moment of the week. So there you go. <laughs> I think right. um, yeah. Uh, our guest spot on all three of our guest spots on cut to the chase got uh, postponed to December. So we'll all be on the 12 days of chasemist series. Uh, I just found out today that I will be looking at uh, who, whoever slew Auntie Roo. Rue. Uh, this is from 1972, starring Shelley Winters as a crazy old lady. And that's a big surprise, because Shelley Winters is one of the craziest, old, the best crazy old ladies in cinema history. So I'm, I'm excited about that. One. So I think that's
0: all on my docket, Mike. All right. How about you, Don?
2: All right. As mentioned, Creature Comforts, episode 13. Uh, that is recorded and uh, should be out soon. Um, I can say my uh, two guest spots on uh, the nightclub. Uh, I was invited on to talk uh, The Beyond and House by the Cemetery. Both of those are recorded. Um, I I don't know about release because I'm not entirely sure how far apart um, recording date and release date are. Uh, So I I don't know when they're going to be available I would probably I, I'm sure you're going to hear the beyond first because that was, you know, that they're recording them in order of the 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 franchise. So uh, that one should be out first. And then a little bit later after that, you're going to hear uh, House by the Cemetery. Both were a lot of fun. And uh, you'll get to hear why Beyond is movie number two on my all time movie list. So uh, fun times there. And uh, I'm also much like uh, Venom. I know what I'm doing for Cut to the Miss. My pick is uh, the upcoming Killer Santa film, Christmas Bloody Christmas. So, yeah, um, uh, I'm pretty sure um, we will uh, be looking at that one uh, just as much. So, uh, probably going to have to decide which one I want to speak more freely on, but uh, (laughs) it should uh, should be a fun time. Um, And I think that's it, other than. Um, I can probably say that, uh, by the time you hear this, I will probably have already announced, um, season two of Horror Countdown will be back in January, so be on the lookout for my social media for guest spots, appearances, and, uh, pretty much everything else, because I'm going to be switching it up just a little bit, and I'm going to add a little bit more to the show just to, uh, you know, separate everything going forward, so be on the lookout for that but uh, I think that's it
0: nice. alright yeah cool um, for me just uh, more fresh cuts and like Venom said hopefully we get the main show uh, out uh, this upcoming week slash weekend and, and uh, other than that that's 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 it uh, for our next episode of fresh cuts I don't believe there's a Takar release this week is there I don't believe so.
2: Um, it would be Black Friday, right? Because it would be thanks the day after Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, they don't. I don't think they really do a lot. Put a lot of movies out on, on Black Friday. Yeah. Unless <laughs> unless it's a horror movie called Black Friday, then maybe. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that one was released on Black Friday, or was it released the week after? Oh was no! Yeah, no, that, that was
1: definitely day? December. That was the
0: December release. Yeah, that's what I going
2: to say. I thought. That's what I was going to say. I thought that we.
0: Could oh go wait. Well, I I think it's gonna be another one where is it horror, romance, horror, drama, horror. But uh, isn't Bones and all? I think that's maybe coming out this week. I, I thought I saw I, I thought I, I saw early tickets like available on Wednesday. It might be, yeah. I'm I'm not ultra excited about
1: that one. It just looks way too romancy. Yes, it has. It's very obviously. It kind of looks like uh, Doctor Sleep meets The Notebook.
0: <laughs> I I had a Doctor Sleep vibe too Just because of the way it looks like The, yeah, the, the antagonists dog. are kind of like a nomadic group Yeah, exactly
1: I, I mean, I, I, if there's no better option Then obviously that's fine I just I know I'm not ultra excited to see it
2: um, I'll, I'll say this I, I want to do Terrifier 2 Because I want to shit on that thing
0: Uh oh, uh oh Me and Don are going to go at it <laughs> Wait, you oh, want to yeah. shit on Terrifier 2? Yep Oh <laughs> shit. I'm kind of shocked, but okay. Little bit <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll figure it out. Uh we got a few days. We actually recorded this episode early. <laughs> so, we have a couple extra days to figure out what we want to do next. So, we'll make the decision and get something right.
1: out. There you go. And folks, um if you want to hit us up on our social media and chime in on if you want to hear me and Don go at it, I would be very interested. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I
1: mean, uh, you know what? I'm not going to even say anything because uh, if we end up reviewing it, I will. I I also will have a lot to say on it, though. I, I believe I believe shit will be the opposite of what I'll be doing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All righty. Well, with that said, that's going to do it for this episode of Fresh Cuts. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will catch you next time. Let's say bye, listeners. Later. Why spend $1,250 on
1: a meal? That could get you like three Xboxes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Peace. (laughs)